0: Good morning, good morning, Rabbi Otay. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is sponsored um, by and dedicated. I remember the yecheskel. Alava Shalom, sponsored by his daughter, Brenda Namdar, and as well, breakfast is, uh, Breakfast in the Class and the cold brew is sponsored by David E. Ash, in honor of you and your substantial capacity to good today and every day, my friends. I'd like to begin. I'd like to begin um, by telling you something that I saw yesterday, or two days ago, I don't remember, either yesterday or two days ago, on Madison Avenue. I was walking down Madison Avenue, or, or more accurately probably scooting, and all of a sudden there's, I see a truck, and on the truck it says, sorry for the free advertising, it says Gumbusters. Has everyone seen this truck? Gumbusters. And it says on the truck, right in front of Ralph Lauren on the corner of 72nd and Madison, Gum Busters. And what do they do? They remove gum. That's what they do. And on the bottom of the truck, it said, the expert, or the world's experts in gum removal. The world's experts in gum removal. From Singapore. Sorry? They're from Singapore. From Singapore, that makes sense, right? So I'm looking at this. And I was just thinking, by the way, the difference in cultures between America and in England. When I lived in London, one of, the first thing, one of the first things I noticed is how different Americans, and especially New Yorkers, are from people in London. I remember seeing there was a sign on top of the taxi for a company that sold tires, you know, tires for cars. They spell it different also. We spell it T-I-R-E-S. They spell tires T-Y-R-E-S. Okay? All right. I see a thing. It says the tire company. And underneath it, it says, in typical English apologetic fashion, it says, probably the best tires in the world. (laughs) Right? Over here, it's like, the world's expert in gum removal. And over there, it's like, probably, probably the best tires in the world. All right? So a little bit more humble, maybe a little bit more uh, self-critical, a little bit uh, less sure of themselves, but the experts in gum removal. And I was thinking to myself, you know, could you imagine you're a little child and someone asks you, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you say, yo, well, I want to be the expert in gum removal. I don't think any child has ever said that. Could you imagine if at the end of your life, on your tombstone, it says, the expert in gum removal. And just for irony, there's some gum <laughs> stuck to the tombstone. Could you imagine, right, that that is the sum total of your life? Now, I am not here to bash gum busters. the opposite. I'm here to say, it is every person's job in life, to become an expert in something. Our rabbis tell us that our parasha opens by telling us the names of each one of the tribes. And what's interesting is that the tribe, of the spies, and each one of the spies has a different name and their names, the Talmud tells us, are given to us because it's trying to communicate to us what each of these spies had wrong with them? What was something that kind of helped to lead them astray? What helped them see things uh, in in an inappropriate way, in in a way that led them to Lashon HaRa? And the Gemara gives an an explanation on a few of the names. However, our rabbis, the teachings of Chazal, are expanded to include a few more of the names. Gadiel ben Sodi, right? Nahbi ben Vofsi. And each time it's Situr ben Mikael. And what does it Situr mean? It means he hid that which God did. Wild stuff. My friends, I learned from this an unbelievable lesson uh, in my own life. And that is that a person has, from the time they are born, when they are given their name, there is a tendency, a streak, a proclivity towards a certain character trait towards a certain destiny and the challenge in life is not in subverting or running away from your destiny it's a matter of figuring out how to convert that nature or how to convert that character trait into something which is beautiful now this concept situr to hide okay or to contradict Is a person who is hidden? Is that a bad thing? No. He has an element of his nature which is hidden. That could be the source of a person's greatest gift. It could mean that he becomes an incredibly humble person. You have a person who is a fighter, right? That guy could be Mr. Machloken in the Beit Knesset. That no matter what anybody does, he causes a fight. Okay. I remember reading a court case, a court case in Beit Din. There was a guy who bought a seat in the Beit Knesset. Anyway, the shul uh, eventually starts getting more and more full. They expand the Be'eknesset and they take the we- the northern wall of the synagogue and they blow it out and they expand the synagogue. Okay? What do they do now? Now the synagogue is an extra 50 feet wider. The Aron Kodesh is 50 feet to the left of the middle of the shul. So they take the Aron and they move it to the middle of the room of- as where it was. Hadassah says, I'm sitting in the same seat now, but now that I don't call this much further away from me, you added seats. He's complaining, he, he sues, the guy sues the shoe. Okay? You know, you have a guy who's a machlok guy, who's a machloket guy. Okay, work it out, figure it out. Be there with the Beit Knesset. Work it out with them. <laughs> I, wanna, I, wanna give you this, I wanna give you this example because I think it's so, it's so powerful, okay? This guy, who's Mr. Machloke, what could he do instead? Right now, uh, in the legislature of, uh, of this state, the soul of the Jewish people is at risk. The government, like everything else in, the current, uh, in its current iteration, is practicing what it knows best, which is overreaching. It makes sure to involve itself in everything that it doesn't need to be and make sure to neglect to do all the things that a normal, stable country and government needs to be doing, okay? But worst of all, worst offense of all, is the overreach where they wanna force the yeshivot to be run uh, by the government, where what we teach and how we teach our children should no longer be a freedom. The way the world came about, God's place in existence, the nature of morality, Everything is on the chopping block right now. And there's people that are signing petitions, trying to make sure that we preserve the sanctity under the ability that we have, not as Jews, by the way, but as citizens of this great country. To be able to practice freedom of religion, part of being uh, free to practice your religion is to decide how you educate your children. Okay? Rabbi, don't worry about this, one. the Christians are with us on this. The Christians, that's why I said not only as Jews, by the way, Muslims do. Anyone that believes. And by the way, if you believe in some insane theory of aliens taking over the world, if you're a Scientologist, you should get help. But you should still want to fight alongside alongside us. Okay? This is the nature of this argument is is so constitutionally vital that it literally underscores the very reason why we fought for freedom in the first place. You know, I find it so odd that you could celebrate July 4th as a patriot of this country when the purpose of that day, when the idea of the Mayflower coming over, it was, perse- it was persecuted religious sects. It was Puritans. It was uh, you know, anyone that wasn't part of that original cabal. They were running away from persecution. They were coming here. What were they coming here for? For the ability to be able to practice and to have and to preserve their own religiosity, their own way of thinking. My friends, my friends, you're a fighter. Stop fighting with your wife. Stop fighting with the shul. Stop fighting with your co-religionists. There's enough issues that we need fighters for. You you are a weapon, we know what to use you for. Don't destroy everything around you. Fight to build things around you. You're gonna be an expert in something, hopefully. Why should that expert be something that destroys everything? Most of us are familiar with this concept of the Nobel Peace Prize and in general, Nobel Prizes. Now, this prize, the origin source of, this, uh, of the prize itself, is remarkable. It was created by a man called Alfred Nobel. This guy, how did he create the prize that's advanced science and philosophy and peace and everything? He was the person that created dynamite. And this explosive force, which was immediately drafted into wars around the world and was responsible for the death of God knows how many people, this was his job. This is what he was an expert in. And my friends, towards the end of his life, you know, there was a mistaken obituary printed in the newspaper. Someone got it wrong, they thought he died. It wasn't him, but he got to read about his own death in the newspaper. And it shook him up so much because he thought to himself, "If is this what I'm an expert in? Is this how I'm going to be remembered? A person who created the most destructive force known to man? A person whose the deaths of all these people are hanging around his neck? This is what I am? So he created a fund and a foundation to award and to reward and to recognize people for... Now, can I just show of hands? How many people in this room know about the Nobel Peace Prize. You heard about it or Nobel Prize? You heard about it. How many people here knew before this, I mean, I know I saw that Nathan knew, that this guy, his, he was famous for dynamite and for killing people? All right, maybe 10% of the room as opposed to 100% of the room? That, that is a PR stunt that worked fairly well. Got me? That is a PR stunt that worked fairly well. Your name, it is not a set of handcuffs. Gadiel Ben sodi not a set of handcuffs. There's an alternate version where you use what you're an expert in and figure out how to channel it into something special, into something important. And I feel that perhaps a human being's greatest question, is this, now the Chovot alivavot begins with this question. Right? The misilati sharim also built on the same concept. Ma Hovato Be'olamo? What is a person's responsibility in this world? Now, even though that introduction only appears in one of those Sefarim, but both great halachic and musaric works are focused on this question. And my rabbi used to say, it doesn't say, machovata adam ba'olam, what is the job of a man in the world? It says, what is his obligation, ba'olamo in his world. Now, that specific Uh, grammatic change it illustrates that there isn't a static job for people in this world and it, it in fact it obligates a person like you and a person like me to ask that question in a very specific way to ensure that you are not copying your father that you are not a carbon copy of your father You know, this idea that people say to the sons of great men, you have big shoes to fill, it always rubbed me the wrong way. I know the sentiment, I get the idea. You're not supposed to wear anyone else's shoes. They're only your own shoes that you're supposed to wear. Now maybe the expectation, the idea of it is true. Like if, if you had a great man and a great woman in your home and they raise you to be, you know, to do the right thing, then your own shoes are larger than your own feet. But maybe that's not as catchy. So we say you have big shoes, large, big shoes to fill. But the first question is macho What is your responsibility? So the idea that the Gemara takes the name of each one of these spies and gives us a negative understanding of who they were, It's not the truth. That's not true. And I can prove it. Berashah starts off by saying, Send for yourself Anashim. Every time we find the word Anashim, Rashi explains to us, what does Anashim mean? Not just guys, lads, the boys. What does Anashim mean? Anashim means each one of them is the man. The best of the best. The most important. Strong, powerful, good people. B'chayr Anashim. We have that terminology. Choose for yourself. Anashim means stand up people. In fact, Rashi says that at the time that they were chosen... They were kisherim. That's why they're described at the time of their choosing as Ansheh Shem. Each one of them is a man of name. I love that. Ansheh Shem. Men of a name. What's the Torah telling us? It's putting their name on the chopping block. They were men of a great name. The wrong opportunity presented itself. And suddenly, the fighter stopped fighting for the right causes, which is what his job was to do in his world. And he fought against the right causes. And it makes you think, you know, because every human in this life has battles that he or she chooses to fight. And there was a finite number of battles that you're going to fight but did you choose the right ones? You know where, where were your lines in the sand? Which battles did you choose to give up because you were gonna lose them anyway or because they weren't important enough? You know? Which are the great battles of your life? You're a person that sees things critically? Don't turn that death ray on your family. Go into the world of business and use that critical eye and say about a stock option, say about a building, these are the problems with the deal. Use that critical eye for something that winds up being positive. Use it on yourself to a degree. You know, I find it so interesting, this choice where people say to you, Rabbi, I can't, this is how I'm built. There was, never, there was never anything that was more full of baloney than that. This is how I was built. Hashem built you to be broken. You get angry, get angry about the right things. No one's telling you to take it out of your name. We're telling you to figure out where it should become your name. Where it should become something that you are remembered forever for. Rabbi Moshe Sherah fought many battles, but they were battles for the Jewish people. They were battles in courts. Uh, they were battles. My father is the least. The, the the least. If if you said to me that my father fought anybody, I would call you a liar. My father is the most shalom person in the world. My father is not a litigious person. My father is not a person who sits in court. But of all the rabbis, and of all the priests, and of all the imams, the man whose name is quoted in courthouses all around this country, when someone wants to build a house of worship in their home, when they want to take a a prayer group or a Bible study group and bring it into a residential neighborhood, they quote Fari versus the state of New Jersey. That's the court case that they quote. Because the language that was used in the court case was very beautiful, very poetic. And when they read it out, it helps with the jury, with the judge. I met someone once in the street. He said, Fari, I quote you every day. I was like, oh, this guy listens to my class. Turns out he didn't listen to one class. That was my hubris. <laughs> what does he quote Fari every day? He quotes the original, the OG Fari, the best Fari there ever was. I don't know, ever, I I didn't know my great-grand, great -great parents but the one, the best that I know, quotes him all the time. He's hired all the time, and this is the case he quotes. Anyone asks, can you imagine my father appealing decision, going to court, fighting the court case? It's so not my dad. And the answer is, why is it not my dad? Because he took all the fight that he could have used on other people, and he stuck it into a drawn out court case to fight for Am Yisra'el. That's why. Anshe she. My friends, I want to end with this last piece. The Pasuk tells us, Vayikram Moshe benun Yehoshua. And Moshe called Hoshea Benun Yehoshua. What did he do with Yehoshua? He added a yud to his name. We'll talk more about this. I don't know, I'm not sure if we'll have a class tomorrow because we have the, the breed for the uh, Shoche and Raskin family. So we'll have to see if the schedule permits it. But if we have a class, maybe we'll mention a little bit where this Yud came from and what the logic and the concept means. But I want to point out one thing. Hoshea Benun has a Yud added to his name and our rabbis say that the reason why God did it, quoting the Pasuk, the Pasuk says, Yah Hoshea, me'atzat meraglim. Moshe blesses Yehoshua and he tells him Hashem should save you from the etza, from the problem of the meraglim. That was why Moshe did it. That's how rabbis teach us. That the concept was that he should be saved. So he added the Yud to his name, not just Hoshea, right, Benun, salvation, the son of Nun, rather. Yehoshua He added God's salvation into his name I only have one comment here And that is that Moshe Rabbeinu changes no other names Now Kalev He figures out how to fight his own battle He goes, he prays in Hebron You know, by himself at the Kivre Avot And he gets the protection another way But of all the spies Moshe Rabbeinu adds the name only to Yoshua. And the reason why he adds the name to Yoshua is because of the relationship that Moshe has with Yoshua. Do you know what that says to me? That says to me that had Hosea not developed that relationship with Moshe, had Hosea not become the person that he became, then the name, the letter would not have been added to his name. And if the letter was not added to his name, then what happens? One would imagine that he falls and fails, just like everyone in of the spies. But my friends, the failure of the other 11 would pale in comparison to the failure of Yahshua, because if all other 11 did not fail, as opposed to one more not failing, what happens to them? They remain as leaders in the Jewish people. They, became, they become the people that became famous later on as the people who were the... You know, I was one of the spies that went into Israel. It would have been a nice story to tell at a campfire. But Yeshua became the leader that took the Jewish people into Israel. Yeshua became the one, the leader, that conquers Eretz Israel for the Jewish people with God's help. Think about the fact that his path could have went this way or completely the exact opposite the way that it goes. My friends, for most of us we think that the decisions we make mean that I'll either be this guy or I'll be this guy. Or I'll either be this guy or I'll be this guy. But in Yehoshua and in the changing of his name we see that the possibilities are the furthest possible north-south possibility. That is the chance and the choice that you have in your life. And the way that you get there is by consistently making the right choices and by analyzing yourself to say, what is my job? A job that only I'm supposed to do based on who I am. Because when you do that, you don't only change your own world, says the It's you turn, The world becomes his world. It's a different world that you live in. The whole world is different because of you. That is the power a person has in his choices.